Hey, what's going on? Hope you are well and are having a good week as always. On this week's episode of Welcome to the Metaverse, I chat to the CEO of Star Atlas, Michael Wagner. And now, Star Atlas is a next-generation space gaming metaverse that is set to be one of the richest experiences in the metaverse. Uh, so we go into a lot of detail on this episode. What they're building over there is really mind-blowing stuff. So uh, we'll chat lots more about it. Before we do that, though, I have got some awesome news to tell you about. I'm very happy to have teamed up with Republic Red who are a metaverse and innovation investment platform. We had them on the show a few weeks ago and it was a great episode. Uh, so we're going to be working together to create lots more awesome content around metaverse trends and speak to some of the brightest minds behind new metaverse platforms as well. Uh, if you don't know, Republic Realm are also one of the largest owners of digital real estate NFTs in Decentraland, the Sandbox and Axie Infinity. Uh, you can check out what they're up to at republicrealm.com and make sure you follow them on Twitter at joinrepublic underscore re their discord is linked on there as well so great to have them on board and looking forward to doing lots more awesome stuff with them all right so on to today's episode with michael wagner of star atlas now this episode combines everything that we've talked about on the podcast so far really across crypto uh, nft and digital assets and ownership of those digital assets and also the next wave of blockchain play to earn gaming as well to give a little bit of context of what star atlas is imagine if we were all suddenly sent to space and had to survive right we'd need to exist on uh, ships of different sorts we'd have to recruit crews everyone on the ships would have different roles amongst that crew we'd have to mine for resources uh, we'd even explore deep space on potentially risky missions maybe we'd come into contact with other crews and that sort of thing so that's kind of the premise of star atlas as a metaverse but also as a game and all the assets within it you own as well as a fully functioning economy and uh, various governments as well in different kind of settlements and civilizations within that space universe uh, so there's a lot to unpack in here we go in at quite a high level so if you are brand new to this space it might be worth jumping back a few episodes just to get up to scratch but it was a fascinating interview and uh, what they're building is really pretty special it's something amazing that is uh, happening over there so there's loads of value in this episode uh, right through to the end so i really hope you enjoy it as always, nothing in this podcast is financial or investment advice. Always do your own research. But with that said, let's dive into this week's episode. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really exciting time, man. Uh, great to be on. And uh, yeah, perfect timing. We just kicked off the, uh, you know, the official listings on FTX and uh, across the Serum decks and a lot more to come. But uh, it's been a very busy past nine months for us. And uh just super excited to be here. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, congrats on all of that launching uh, today. We'll, we'll get into all of that as the show goes on. Uh, so much to kind of chat about. The the whole uh, amazing world that you're creating with Star Atlas is so intricate. It's a, uh, a whole sort of next generation space gaming metaverse. There's loads to unpack. But maybe before we start getting into it all, do you want to just give us a little bit about your story so far? What led you to co-founding Star Atlas? And then we'll learn a lot more about it. Yeah, so my, my background is really in the traditional finance space. Uh, so I'm a CFA charter holder and worked in the fields of uh, portfolio management and investment and securities analysis for institutions and uh, high net worth private individuals. Um, got introduced to Bitcoin in 2013, really Bitcoin and altcoins. Um, so my inroad was through script coin mining with GPUs and, you know, just grew up as a, as a techie and a gamer and kind of a nerd. And um, so was very, very uh, familiar with building out my own systems. And um, a friend introduced the concept of using GPUs to mine script coins. And I just thought it was fascinating as a method of generating residual income using compute power. Right. So it was kind of like a, a, a new asset class of sorts. And, and um, timing was was horrible for me. I got in you know, right at the tail end of the 2013 bull cycle, uh, right before the Mt. Gox collapse. I'm still waiting on some of my Bitcoin to come back from that, by the <laughs> way. But, <laughs> um, uh, but 
you know, and so mining wasn't very profitable for very long, but, you know, I still feel fortunate in that it, it did captivate my interest and got, got me fascinated about what was possible with blockchain and decentralized technology. And so I spent the next two years during the bear cycle just analyzing, researching, and understanding as best as I could how we could utilize this, this technology for future um, opportunities and launched my first company in 2016. Um, that was at the intersection of crypto and cannabis, uh, given the kind of financial infrastructure limitations um, that are available to legal cannabis industries in the U.S. And, um, you know, uh, through that business met uh, what would go on to be two co-founders in Star Atlas in uh, Danny Floyd and Jacob Floyd, Chief Product Officer and Chief Technology Officer, respectively. Um, I will mention Pablo Quiroga is also a co-founder and he's our Chief Revenue Officer. But, um, you know, met, met uh, Danny and Jacob uh, in the development of Tokes and, you know, seeing what was going on in trends across things like DeFi in 2019 and 2020, um, the uprising of NFT assets, you know, particularly collectibles initially um, over that same time period and uh, this emergence of GameFi or blockchain gaming. And um, as all of us are really passionate gamers, we saw just a tremendous opportunity to create something that would be attractive to a mainstream audience. Right? And so we set out to develop out uh, the highest quality of, of game development, which is AAA gaming um, in developing out the Star Atlas universe and, and building out with uh, technology such as Unreal Engine, uh, currently Unreal Engine 5, you know, which is going to deliver this hyper-realistic cinema cinematic quality gaming experience for our players. And so we just wanted to elevate it. And we also understood that through the integration of um, financial mechanics available through blockchain, that um, we could lead uh, a movement in true individual empowerment um, through the play to earn model. So um, yeah, I mean, that the, the idea was, we, we saw just how powerful individual asset ownership could be for the gamer, especially having spent thousands and thousands of hours in games, you know, where, at, you know, at the end of playing, it's uh, everything is kind of left behind. And so we saw the power in that. We saw the power in introducing the world to cryptocurrencies in a new format. And we do genuinely believe that uh, through this this blockchain gaming uh, gaming movement, we will um, see a whole new um, uh, wave of cryptocurrency adopters. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, there's loads to unpack there. But you've you've been in it for for a long time, and and it's the merging of kind of beginning of uh, crypto and bitcoin and other altcoins and then the gaming worlds colliding basically and before we go fully into what star atlas is all about can you just paint the picture a little bit for what is coming with blockchain gaming we've mentioned it on the show before but the whole play to earn movement is is basically combining these worlds and it's it's fundamentally quite game changing right because players can own the assets in games which um asset you know digital assets in games have been a thing for a long time but owning them is something quite different so what's your kind of view um on what is coming for the whole space for sure so you know that is one of the the, the ownership model is one that we believe is amongst the most transformative in the future of game development and design um when you think about the way that that legacy uh, game design studios are structured um i'd like to analogize it to uh, kind of a rent-based system or a transactional-based system wherein um, the player owns the assets that exist in that environment while they're playing. And the return of value is entertainment value and escapism, which, you know, is, is not to be uh, underestimated or diminished, but what is capable or what is possible with blockchain is that we can empower a whole new ownership model. And so, you know, players are purchasing their assets, which potentially retain long-term value, potentially appreciate in value, but ultimately, um, it, it allows them to recover value from time spent in game if at some point in the future they determine that they no longer want to play. Right? And again, personally, having invested thousands of hours in MMOs myself, um, I, I fully appreciate just how important that is to the gamer to not only be able to generate income and revenue while they're playing, but also have that true sense of ownership and, and you know, realized ownership of the underlying assets. So we think that's very powerful. Um, other items that are coming out uh, in kind of the metaverse concept and blockchain gaming are, um, you know, these governance structures, sophisticated, decentralized, autonomous organizations that allow the stakeholder, the player, to actually take ownership over the future development of the, the, the game itself, the metaverse itself, right? Uh, empowering individual content creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs to find and build opportunities for themselves in a digital world. Um, and, uh, you know, I also think it has 
major, major implications for the future of the web. You know, everything from online shopping, e-commerce could be completely radicalized through, you know, online shopping through the metaverse and 3D, wherein you have the ability to uh, interact with your item in 3D, make a purchase and have it delivered to your physical residence. So, you know, the, the, the conventional model of shopping through a website, I, I think, is, is going to be a, an element of the past, ultimately. And then also uh, just social interaction and social experiences. You know, and I, I certainly would not say that uh, the pandemic was uh, positive in any way, but it did lead to this change in psychology, I believe, in, in human thinking because of the requirement to stay home, right, uh, through quarantine. And people discovered that, hey, we can actually work from home and get just as much done, if not more. Our team is fully decentralized. We have, you know, about 120 people in the company, and that's distributed across 15 countries around the world. And uh, you know, there's only maybe two or three people that are at, um, in the same location at any time. And we interact entirely through Discord or through Zoom. Um, and we think that you know, in the future, those interactions, those meetings, the office will be set in the metaverse. Um, and I also think that that has really broad implications for just the the, the global environment and things you know related to um, climate change. So, yeah, there's a lot of layers of stuff that's that's changing, isn't it? From uh, yeah, from in so many different kind of realms. And yeah, I think sitting scrolling through 2D web pages is gonna gonna be a thing of the past pretty pretty quickly, isn't it? But all right, that's a good um, kind of overview of, of everything that's that's changing. Let's dive into Star Atlas and everything you're building because it is mind blowing and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So maybe we start with like an overview of the world that you and your team are creating. So what Star Atlas is, the different factions and what the roles, potential roles of players could be, and then we'll dive into all the different kind of layers from there maybe. Yeah, uh, uh, so Star Atlas is is set in the future, but it actually follows accurate historical timelines. So the, the year is 2620, it's the future of human evolution and we're out actively exploring the stars and, and navigating uh, interstellar space. Uh, so the core gameplay mechanics include space exploration with um, ownership of ships, allowing players to go navigate the stars, um, uh, territorial conquest, and political domination. And so territorial conquest refers specifically to real land ownership in the game, real virtual land ownership. Um, and the players are able to construct buildings and structures on this land and you know, extract ore from the earth and convert that ore into materials and minerals and actually create a, a supply chain, but within the digital world again. All of the commodities that people interact with in the global economy can be recreated and replicated in the virtual realm. Um, and then political domination is really the way in which we tie our uh, decentralized autonomous uh, organization governance structure into the game as well. So we operate across a, a hierarchy of DAOs, if you will. Um, there's the external DAO, which is kind of manifested in physical reality, and it's where stakeholders have the opportunity to influence the way that the metaverse evolves over time. Um, and that can also mean features like asset, uh, asset release schedules, uh, feature releases, economic policy in the game, inflation schedules and the like. Um, uh, and you know, that is just kind of the outer shell. Within the game, there's a three-tier um, faction system and a three-tier DAO structure. So um, amongst the factions, which are all warring with one another and they're all fighting to expand their borders and collect broader resources and uh, monetary value, there is a faction DAO layer. So all of the players that have selected one of the factions are operating truly in the best interest of that faction overall. So we're kind of enforcing a requirement to uh, be actively engaged and participate in the community at that faction level. Uh, that goes down one additional layer to a regional DAO where um, this might be associated with a specific planet or a solar system or some kind of local cluster. But uh, think of that as maybe a, a, a consortium of guilds that are working together to occupy a particular region of space. And then the lowest layer of this is the, the clan-based DAO or the the, the guild DAOs, uh, which we call decentralized autonomous corporations. And um, what we're going to enable there is uh, a, a tool set for user bases that are operating very cooperatively with one another to manage um, a, a uh, pooled treasury of assets. And so those players that are operating within a clan will be able to implement their own votes on, you know, where should we deploy our 
clan resources? Where should we put people in space? How many people do we want mining versus um, attacking versus exploring versus defending, right? And so essentially you can create what is very similar to a, a company structure with decision-making um, embedded into the underlying technology of, of how people participate. And um, you know we think that that is also going to empower what will probably be the largest employment economy we've ever seen simply because we eliminate all of the friction of geographic borders right so we can actually empower people from developing nations to join this game and whether they own assets or not they can actually be employed by clans or by you know owners of the assets to perform work it's so mind-blowing isn't it because essentially what you've done is is birth the new world right in a new uh virtual world that has uh, all the intricacies of of the real world and more and people can uh you know even just the concept of a metaverse in general that is always on and anyone can kind of attend and work and live in these worlds yours is in space as well so you have like a a role-playing element of it where um collecting raw materials and you know building factions working with other people and building ships and then there's also the kind of simulation exploring space element of it as well so the actual experience of the world is is interesting on, on so many levels to kind of build it up simply i let's start with just the look of the world as well so it's built with uh, Unreal Engine 5, right, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, it is an amazing game engine. It's the industry standard. It's what a lot of uh, games are built on and a lot of kind of hyper-realistic movie scenes used as well. So could you describe for us like the look, the visual look of the game? Some of the screenshots in Discord are amazing. So it is, it's super realistic, right? Like nothing we've really seen, certainly on a blockchain gaming level. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, if, if you're a mainstream gamer at all or have seen any titles that have been released to a mainstream audience over the past couple of years, you'll realize that the graphical fidelity of these are starting to look more and more just like, you know, the physical world. It's, it's getting to a point where it's almost indiscernible um, from reality. And, you know, our vision is that, you know, through Unreal Engine and through things like AR and virtual reality, we'll be able to uh, empower a user base to go and interact with this virtual world and, and get the sense of immersion, you know, feel like they're truly there. And so um, all of the assets in the game are very uh, high poly count and, and hyper-realistic. Um, and what's cool about Unreal Engine is it, it actually enables us to develop at a faster pace because they've implemented technology that specifically streamlines the game development process for companies such as ourselves. Um, and, and it also allows for greater access to the player base. Um, you know, without getting too technical, the game that we're building will have pretty substantial hardware requirements. And yet, opposed to that, we understand that we want to attract this emerging nation uh, demographic and audience into the game. So uh, what we're reconciling right now is that we really want to develop something that uh, can get mainstream appeal, that can attract a lot of users, and at the same time, make that available and accessible to people all over the world, whether that's through a mobile device or through a browser um, or through the Unreal Engine version of the game. Uh, what's cool about blockchain, though, is that as, as we use that as our kind of underlying data structure and data layer, um, experiences across those different platforms, which could be uh, console, could be PC, could be web, or could be mobile, um, all of that data is actually synchronized. And so while the experience for every individual won't be exactly the same visually, uh, the economic consequences of it will, right? So if somebody is on their mobile device and they take ownership of a, a, a stake of land and start developing on that, that will, again, synchronize with what's going on in the Unreal Engine version of the game. And so again, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll appear differently depending on which environment you're in, but uh, then we create this unified ecosystem where there truly is global access. Uh, to, yeah, to the underlying right. governance, economics, and social structures. Yeah, it's it's uh, mind blowing as we go through everything everything that you're building. It's uh, yeah, it's really exciting. It's it's really really cool. Uh, one of the crucial mechanics. We'll go into the sort of individual game mechanics a little bit later. But one of the crucial parts of it of Star Atlas are the two tokens, right, and the economy of the world, which you've mentioned and you've talked about. And that is fundamental to to sort of play to earn blockchain games. So could you tell us a bit about Atlas? Um, which is primarily utility token, right? And is it Polis, which is the governance token? They've just launched on FTX, so you can now go and uh, buy them and invest if you want to do that. Uh, but yeah, maybe you could talk us through the role of those two tokens and, and how that um, impacts the whole world that you're creating. 
definitely. And this was after months and months of economic analysis and how we wanted to structure out the ecosystem. But um, we've drawn a pretty clear delineation between how Atlas is used and what the utility or function of Polis is. So Atlas, as you said, is the in-game transactional currency. It's the medium of exchange. You know, from a, a gaming standpoint, it's effectively the in-game gold. Um, but the implication, since we're developing this as an on-chain asset, is that the player can quite easily extract that and transcend the game universe and start to utilize that for real-world purposes. You know, whether it's participating in DeFi or um, you know trading on exchanges or ultimately cashing that out and moving it to a bank account should that be available um, to the user. Um, so from the gameplay mechanic standpoint, Atlas is not only the financial reward or incentive, which allows us to deliver a play to earn model, um, but it's also the operating cost unit as well. And so, you know, we're not, um, we're trying to create a sustainable economy long-term. And, and so, you know, for us, it's important not to just have a hyperinflationary emission schedule behind the token. Um, players are, are going to be required to be st uh, strategic in how they operate within the universe. And so that means that, you know, margins for one player might be margins um, than for another player, depending on how efficient they can manage production. But things like uh, ship repair or fueling costs, uh, replacing mining equipment like drills, uh, upgrading items in the game, and also paying uh, land value tax, which is a unique concept that we introduced in the, in land ownership. Um, those are all denominated in Atlas as well. So think of this somewhat contained um, uh, gaming economy that is largely driven by activity in Atlas. Um, now, Polis, as you know, as we discussed, is really the governance token that allows people to to influence decisions surrounding how the the game will you know resolve in five years or ten years or you know, what I believe could live on in perpetuity um, through the, the creator economy and that innovator economy, you know, allowing people to actually create and contribute value back into Star Atlas. Um, and as a result of that, find alternative means to extracting value as opposed to um, our pure inflation schedule around these tokens. Um, and one of the, you know, really cool features is that we as an entity, as a game development studio, almost uh, perceive ourselves as being contractors to this public utility that is the metaverse. You know, it should be accessible to all and everybody should be able to um, capitalize on some type of creativity executed in the metaverse. So, you know, we have a monopoly currently on things like asset creation, asset design, and selling items within the, in the universe. But in the future, that won't necessarily be true. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it could go so far as to say that governance token holders could even vote us out as that core contractor and game developer. Now, this is very long-term thinking. And the reason why I say this is a product that could live on in perpetuity is because um, we are going to enable the entire world to contribute to it. So over time, whether we're involved or not, you have this global population that's actively maintaining and evolving the, you know, the, the, the public utility over time. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, to, to see what happens. It's, it's rare you get an opportunity like that where you start, you know, from scratch. Everyone comes in and are building their own factions and their own uh, governments and those sorts of things. Like it's going to be fascinating to see how it how it all plays out. So, focusing on their kind of assets and how you earn assets a little bit in the game. So, when you start, right, I'm right thinking you choose a faction that you belong to. Is that right, as a player? That's right. And then to kind of build your uh, crew and to earn assets, you can do it in a variety of ways. So I've, I've read through the, the white paper of, of everything, which is definitely I recommend going and reading it because it explains all this stuff really well. But one way of gaining assets in the game is deep space exploration, right? And, and you'll need more resources for the further you explore space, but also the further you go, maybe the higher the reward and also the higher the risk, you could end up meeting another faction or running out of fuel and then losing assets which are nfts which have real value as you explore and do these kind of missions does that sound is that right that's that's absolutely right i mean there are a number of career paths that people can take within the game okay. um, and so that includes things like exploring deep space and being a data runner so kind of navigating and discovering what's out there in the stars you know and maybe their ships are specialized to be fast and nimble so that uh you know they can discover but then get away when they need to collect their their uh their decentralized autonomous corporation members and bring the rest of the crew to, you know, come maybe capture some area of space. But, you know, it could also just be miners. It could be, we, we have, uh, uh, 
you know, like engineers on ships and custodians on ships. Uh, you could also be a farmer that lives exclusively on a planet. Or you could, and all you do is food production, you know, and, and you distribute that out throughout the economy within Star Atlas. Or maybe you're a merchant and you don't really care about flying around space, but you have curated a digital art gallery of NFTs that are available on Solana and you host those in your shop uh, within the Starless metaverse. And so, again, it kind of leads more into the, the social interaction element of it where the gameplay is, is intended to be fun, right? But it's also intended to be the tip of the spear that allows us to attract the, the initial user base, but then it evolves and grows from there. But um, I love that you brought up the, the kind of the risk of deep space. We think that this is a pretty novel mechanic uh, that we've introduced back into gaming, and it's, it's a form of hardcore mode, you could call it. So um, across the three factions, there are three security zones and everybody lands initially at a central space station, which is a neutral zone. It's the most you know, highly defended position across any, any faction. There's no PVP or player versus player, um, but there's also, you know, the rewards are lower in this region, but it allows players to learn how to play and navigate. Um, as they explore out into medium risk, uh, PVP does become available, but it's non-permanent. So players would respawn upon death. They'd have to repair a, a ship or something like that. So it leads to some economic consequences, but not permanent. Um, but deep space is where it gets really interesting uh, because we, we've coined a term that is play for keys. And so what we'll be able to do programmatically is have users sign over their assets to an escrow account on chain. And when they're flying around in deep space, if they get into an engagement with another player and lose, um, that ship that is destroyed is actually permanent. And so we create this deflation around assets over time um, and, and what I believe to be a very thrilling and enjoyable gameplay experience. Um, and the upside for the winner of that engagement is that they get to capture or salvage some of the items from the opponent's ships. So um, I, you know, I'll also mention here we have a wide range of values of these assets, starting at you know fifteen dollars that everybody can get into, all the way up to you know one million, potentially five million, potentially ten million dollar ships that will exist in the game. So Eve Online is really great about this because um, they have a. a you know, their economy functions quite well, although it's in a closed loop, but there are videos all over YouTube of these massive galactic battles and real world value, you know, in the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars have been lost. But we're just taking that up to an entirely new level when we, you know, when you have true ownership of these assets that and, and real financial repercussions to loss. It's going to, yeah, it's going to be so interesting when, you know, there'll be headlines within in the world of different uh, factions and crews that have, you know, fought another uh, a crew and have won really valuable assets and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's an, it's really, really exciting. So I'll go through some more kind of of the game mechanics. Maybe you could tell us a bit about each of them. So combat with enemy ships you've mentioned there and, and how that works and what happens if you if you kind of win and lose. What, what will that feel like? That'll be, an, you know, that'll be a full gaming experience, but it has... Uh, real jeopardy behind it for the reasons you've already said, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this is still very early in development. Um, and I guess just quickly on the roadmap, we are, um, we had, uh, uh, we wanted to ensure that we could deliver a gaming experience for a player sooner rather than later. Um, not only because that helps us attract the early users, but it also has those financial incentives um, and uh, implications for them as well. So we're starting by deploying a mini game, which is in browser. So you'll get a lot of the same gameplay mechanics, and these will be delivered through the you know the remainder of 2021 and going into 2022. Um, but concurrently, we're developing out that 3D world in Unreal Engine. And so we have a separate production team working on that. Now, these games typically take you know, somewhere from, from five to seven years to fully complete. Um, but once again, what we're doing different from the traditional model is rolling out iterative updates and feature releases over time. So we might actually have something that a player can engage in in Unreal Engine by December of this year, you know, and bigger modules that will be released periodically um, over the coming years, as opposed to, you know, announcing the concept, going to work behind the scenes for seven years, and then hoping that the final product that we've developed is something that's still interesting to people. So, um, you know, the, the side effect of this as well is that we're quite active in community engagement and taking in feedback, and um, they're very vocal about what, what features they'd like to see. You know, so we get to um, incorporate incorporate that into our decision making and make sure that we are building something that's that's very interesting to people so with all of that said uh, some of the mechanics around in-flight 
uh, engagement with players is, is are still um, in planning. I would say we have yeah. uh, we have you know ideas on how we think it will be implemented, but of course all of that can change by the time we get to the you know full realization of the game. I see. Cool. That's good to have the the whole uh, kind of uh, roadmap of of how it's planning out. And if you want to get involved with this now, you can then get involved with the browser game. And the assets that you earn within that game will transfer over to the full 3D world later 100%. on as that gets developed. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Awesome. All right. Um, some other cool stuff that um, I was reading through as well. So obviously your crew and ship that you build, people can have different roles on the ship. So I assume there'll be uh, benefits of having the right people on a ship to do the right jobs might make your crew stronger and that sort of thing. So there's a whole other set of mechanics there, right, of building the right team. That's right. Yeah, I, I mean, it's almost, um, there's so many gameplay pillars. I mean, a an individual could actually specialize in ship design and help other players, you know, craft and curate their ship. So uh, a ship consists of obviously the hull, the structure um, okay. itself, but within the ship are uh, crew member slots, our weapon slots, our um, defense modules, our thrusters, all of these components are also sub NFTs that you can uh, customize and and really you know curate a ship that meets your exact specifications. And even um, so Danny has put a tremendous amount of thought into this, but even um, uh, elements such as where did the crew members go to university could have an impact on the total efficiency or effectiveness of your ship, right? So is that it, something it, you choose or is that something that the, so the crew, will, um, the crew member will have characteristics and attributes um, that you can analyze before say purchasing a crew member. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's going to be this um, kind of uh, experimental process of figuring out which players um, optimize the other players um, abilities. Right, so we're not necessarily revealing all in advance um, what elements work well together, but you know I did just kind of share the the um, that component about you know education background what what um, academy did these crew members go to that could influence again how how effective your ship is. The other thing that's really cool though that we're doing is um, some of these ships are on massive massive scales, um, you know city size uh, ships floating through space. Uh, you can kind of think Death Star, right? And ships on that scale will have the ability to um, house many, many players. So you can either go the solo route where you're purchasing uh, crew cards um, and kind of automate activities of various positions, like gunners on the ship, or you can actually team up with other people, right? And so, you know, perhaps having a player um, operating a, a, some weaponry provides better aim because the individual is, is doing it as opposed to having AI, you know, manage the turrets for you. So I see. Awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to sort of paint the picture for anyone who's kind of new to this space as well, because right now, obviously it's been a huge innovation that just NFTs have happened, uh, you know, from sort of static art through to collectibles and those different collectibles have different rarities. And this is like, you know, uh, many levels beyond it where yes like a crew member of a ship is almost like collecting a, an nft that has different characteristics but then they play into other nfts that play into the ship that play into the world that play into uh, explore exploration and gaining even more assets so yeah, it's, it's uh so like nuanced isn't it There's so much stuff going on but but that's that's really cool yeah awesome all right yeah some other parts i was looking into you've, you've mentioned de decentralized autonomous corporation so uh a sort of complex term but but it's a way of people organizing themselves in a decentralized manner so there might be different cities that are run by different people and they are able to organize themselves with their own rules right so you'll be exploring different elements of space and different cities maybe will have different rules and and different governance in those parts of the world. Is, is that kind of right? That, that's exactly right. I mean, you can think of each one of these DAOs as being some form of sovereign state, right? Where again, the the, the voting base is is determined by whether it's polis, uh, which is our token, or if, if a clan introduces their own clan token, uh, which can be fully integrated into the, into the Star Atlas metaverse if it's built on Solana. Uh, wherein you know they're using that as a component of their economic and political structure but all of the decision making is then um, on chain and transparent and um, can be executed quite efficiently um, enabling better uh, a better degree of strategy formation i guess i would say cool all right um and you mentioned uh, obviously it's the whole world is built on solana which is a super fast super cheap blockchain and seems to be uh, one that people are, are flocking to at the minute uh, for 
I, I guess some of the reasons that Ethereum's trying to tackle at the minute, but it's perfect for this kind of scenario, right? Because there's going to be so much interaction, so many transactions all happening at once. It's going to be super slick, super smooth. And I assume that's why you've chosen to, to build on Solana. Yeah, you, you really nailed it. I mean, we looked at a lot of uh, what I consider to be generation three, you know, blockchain protocols or layer one protocols. So Bitcoin was obviously the genesis of everything, right? And, and Bitcoin transaction throughput is lower because of the scripting language that it's built on. But um, that's also important for Bitcoin because of the security that it enables, right? You know, we, we know that instability in Bitcoin could be catastrophic to the entire crypto ecosystem. However, um, it did lead to innovation and some experimentation in different um, consensus algorithms, uh, things like, you know, proof of stake, right? Not proof of work um, or delegated proof of stake. So we see generation two emerge and, and that's a blockchain like EOS where you might have a, an order of magnitude higher transaction throughput um, through EOS uh, versus Bitcoin, but it comes with its own sacrifices, right? And usually that's in the form of centralization of decision-making. Um, and then, you know, we get into kind of modern era where we have chains like Solana, which have incredibly high transaction throughput. They're incredibly scalable networks. Uh, the transaction costs are low and they're also decentralized. You know, so in the case of Solana, there's, there's over um, uh, 600 nodes around the world validating transactions across the network. Now that scalability is super important to us because again, we're developing this really high quality gaming experience that we believe can scale to not, not hundreds of thousands or millions, but hundreds of millions to potentially billions of users around the world if we do this right. And so we need a network that is going to be able to support that kind of growth over time. You know, and Solana by far, I would say was one of the best decisions we made in the preparation of, of this game's launch. Um, you know, I do, we were quite early in discussions with them in 2020, uh, well, towards the end of 2020. And it was still just this blossoming ecosystem of maybe 20 to 25 projects. And um, we saw the potential, but we also saw, were interested because we felt we could get in front of this wave of a very, very promising technology. And they were extremely supportive of us from, you know, initial user adoption and awareness of what we were building to marketing efforts to the support that they provided on the engineering side you know, making sure that our developers, our engineers were equipped with all of the tools necessary to build as quickly as possible and deliver this experience. So um, very grateful for that. You know, even with that said, it is still emerging technology and we effectively <laughs> crashed the Solana network today just with the interest in, in Star Atlas. So it's going to be, but, but what's really cool is seeing the teams behind the scenes and the various channels that we're in mobilized to resolve these issues. And it's, you know, as the ecosystem grows and now there's, you know, 500 plus projects across Solana, everybody has a vested interest in ensuring that it succeeds. So just love like kind of being behind the scenes and seeing all of this communication and seeing issues get resolved and, uh, you know, technically independent interests, but all collective in the success of the protocol. That's very cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, congratulations again on, on just the whole interest of the project and people are obviously mobilizing, people are excited about it and I can totally get why because it's uh yeah, it's something that we haven't seen before. It's so much deeper than a lot of other projects, which is very, very cool. So to zoom out a little bit and um, just kind of have an overview of of, of the game again, in, in terms of somebody who's coming to it maybe new, I sort of, I guess, realised there's probably three main ways that you can really get involved at this point. And, and it could be uh, either, you know, one as a game player. So you're saying about the in-browser uh, version and as Unreal rolls out to, you know, you, you can eventually potentially play as a professional player and, you know, spend a lot of time exploring space and building your faction and crew and, and earning assets that way. So I guess there's one way of kind of really taking advantage and, and getting involved in Star Atlas as a player. Then perhaps a second way is as an early adopter speculating on assets now so if you were buying early assets and you really believe in the project i would you know you'd assume that those assets will be will be value, valuable as the, as the world builds and the adoption grows and then uh, third i read on the white paper perhaps uh, there's a way of staking assets in safe zones in the world right so you maybe could be collecting those assets and and earning i guess some sort of passive income uh, as a bet on the world expanding and, and users coming in so are they sort of three ways that somebody who's somebody listening who likes the sound of this and wants to get involved they might be the ways to be thinking about yeah I, and you know i think those are great uh categorizations of of the opportunities i mean we obviously believe that the amount of opportunities to participate are vast 
um, you know, uh, just extending on on your comments, you know, you could just be a governor of the ecosystem by owning Polis token, whether you decide to play or not, right? You can still have an influence on the outcome and and again the evolution of Star Atlas over time. Um, and of course, there are financial incentives in place around that as well. Through participating in governance, you're essentially rewarded with the mission schedule over time or mission of, of tokens over time. But with respect to kind of the, the employment economy that I was describing, there are going to be a significant amount of capital flows coming into the metaverse uh, just with a desire to have exposure and access to this whole new asset class of digital assets. Now, a lot of those people don't have any intention of actually playing the game but um, they do still have opportunities to get those assets deployed in production and start generating revenue or income or yield for themselves. And, um, and so that, that could be in any of a number of fashions, at least two that I can immediately point out would be actually hiring people to, to operate that equipment for you. you know? So once again, um, employing people from all over the world in this frictionless job economy and um, you know, paying them a wage. And, and probably in most cases, paying them a, a, a higher, um, producing a higher standard of living than what they're accustomed to and whatever their local economy is. So that's one thing. Um, alternatively, introducing protocols where it's, it's simple just to lend to other players, right? Or lease out to other players uh, through various forms of lending pools and collateralization. But um, that creates a true sharing economy. It's, it's effectively the Airbnb or Uber of a virtual space. And so you can simply contribute assets to a lending pool uh, people can rent those for a period of time, and, and maybe those people that are renting those assets can't afford them immediately. But through game gameplay and committing time um, and borrowing and, and paying off assets, they're actually able to generate wealth for themselves that they can then invest into the true ownership. So um, from the true ownership asset model, it, it is somewhat of a requirement to actually purchase something like a ship or purchase some land to get into the game and to start earning off of it. But the point that I always like to make here is, is this is very different, again, from the way that traditional games um, monetize their business. Uh, and, and the analogy, again, is rent versus ownership. So in a traditional game, you're essentially renting time in that space. But when you leave, there's no way to get any money back out. It was just a pure expense for you uh, for a place to stay. The ownership model, though, is more of an investment in your own future. Uh, because once again, if you decide that you want to leave it at some point in the future, it's just like selling a house. It might have appreciated in value. You might have had lower costs by living in a house. Um, uh, it, and, and you know, in this particular case, it also happens to be an asset that produces income for the player while they're engaged. So you can almost think of purchasing an asset in Star Atlas as kind of committing a stake to activi economic activity in the game. But that, that stake that you've placed is something that you can recover from, you know, recover value from at some point in the future should you ever stop playing. Yeah, and it will likely be loads easier and loads quicker than buying a physical house and trying to sell that on. It's like you can do it in a liquid market anywhere in the world at any time of day, probably in a few minutes versus paperwork of selling a physical asset. So yeah, it's, it's amazing just to, to see all this stuff coming. And like you say, with you know employing other people in Star Atlas, it's like the combination of Fiverr or Upwork of somebody from another country who uh, their currency might be of a different value relative to yours as well. It's bringing everything from the physical world plus the uh, internet and everything on it 24 hours a day all the time, bring that all together in a, in a crazy new world, isn't it? It's just, uh, yeah, there's, there's so much opportunity there, which is so interesting and, and uh, yeah, so exciting, which is really, really cool. I wanted to talk about your the community you've built already as well because I know it's really active and the Discord is buzzing. There's loads of cool renders and screenshots and stuff so you can get good feel for the, for the world, kind of scrolling through Discord. And I noticed you've done some uh, Star Atlas Town Hall meetings as well. Um, and also you've done some collabs around the Meta Poster series. Maybe you could tell us a bit about that with, with Base Jackers, right? And the Fabricant, which is a, a digital fashion outfit. So so you're pulling in kind of all parts of, uh, of this digital space and they're all sort of coming towards Star Atlas. So maybe you could tell us a bit more about who you're working with. Sure. sure. And there, I mean, there are a lot of um, parties that we've collaborated with to date. Um, I guess uh, for context, uh, context the, the Meta Poster series was an event that we launched in April. Uh, it was called Rebirth, Genesis of a Metaverse. Uh, this was a digital art campaign. Uh, we curated, well, we, we created all of the actual um, art itself um, and collaborated with Shape Immersive out of Vancouver to produce um, augmented reality experiences overlaid on that art. And then also audio soundscapes um, with mainstream musical talent 
such as the Bass Jackers, Blondish, uh, Ricky Desktop, the Fabricant produced um, some of the apparel for it. And we even had Dead Mouse on, um, on the final poster. And uh, the, the, the idea was, you know, one, obviously uh, revenue driven was a motive. We wanted to be able to produce some revenue for the company so we can continue building this. But more importantly, we saw this as the initial inroad into the metaverse, even though we didn't have the 3D world prepared, you know, allowing for the imagination to run wild by every week as we dropped one of these new posters, starting to explain to people the history of really the history of the future, I guess I would say, because it's the history of the future metaverse. And uh, people loved it. You know, we got we got great um, social response from that, the, the augmented reality for anyone that hasn't seen it. This is all available for free to see on the site. You can interact with the experience. Um, you know, of course, if you want to own the NFT, you still have to purchase it, which is available on secondary markets from anyone that owns it now. But um, yeah, the, you know, it, it, it really helped us form a strong community early on while we were in the earliest stages of development. You know, it's one thing to talk about a vision and present what could be in the future, but we were executing from a very early state. I mean, we formally launched the company um, in January of this year, and by April, we had our own NFT marketplaces. Uh, I think the first NFT marketplace developed specifically for Solana assets and fully integrated with the Serum DEX. So Serum is a decentralized exchange protocol that lives on top of Solana. Um, and what's really unique about it is the way that they manage um, liquidity across the entire ecosystem. Uh, so they, they operate under what's called a central limit order book, as opposed to kind of independent markets. And so all of the, all of the liquidity across every market is aggregated. And so when you're trading a market pair, it doesn't matter if you're on the Star Atlas site or if you're on Dex Labs or if you're on Step Finance, you know, or any of the other UIs, interfaces that people produce. On the back end, it's all still one single market. So that's you know really cool. Um, but the you know the collaborations are a lot of fun. It's really just the start. Getting kind of extending that out into social experience in the future. I think you know digital concert series and music festivals in Star Atlas will be uh, a major attraction for people that aren't even interested in gaming. You know why not throw in your um, your VR headset and and come to the Rebirth tour where all of the artists that we worked with play a set, right? Or and this might be a two or three day festival. And so your whole um, exposure to Star Atlas is simply through that event and through that experience. A massive space-based festival with all your favorite artists could be pretty cool, couldn't it? That's, yeah, that's awesome. An interesting point you mentioned then, when I think about sort of current metaverses, and I know they're different because not decentralized, but something, something like Fortnite, for example, is bringing in different IPs, right? So they've been good at bringing in, um, you know, Marvel characters and official skins from various uh, places. Is that something that Star Atlas wants to do as well? So do you want to bring in stuff from other worlds and people talk about the metaverse and interoperability so being able to jump from various uh, virtual worlds to each other is that something that will happen in star atlas do you think absolutely we're we're very collaborative um quickly though on that last point i just i i, I want to make sure we mention um in the midst of the rebirth campaign we had an opportunity to work with the neil armstrong estate um, and this was actually in direct connection with um a, a spacex a rocket and the united states uh, Space Force. And so U.S. Space Force was launching us the Armstrong satellite, GPS satellite, into space on a Falcon 9. And we, you know, um, formed a deal with them where we actually created the underlying NFT to capture this historic moment. Um, and it's the Armstrong Forever poster. And we actually tied that into the lore of the game, which, as I said, you know, the timeline of the Star Atlas metaverse is just an extension of our current timeline. And so really cool that we got to collaborate with you know the the essentially u.s government plus spacex plus the neil armstrong estate to produce an nft asset that we got to sell to thousands of people all around the world so um these are just like these are first steps of collaborations that we're executing on and there's so many people that are interested in working with us and so you know we're feeling all of those and we're trying to figure out how best to integrate all of these collaborations into the future experience that we deliver to the to the users but yeah i mean with respect to ip and and things of um things like that you know we have a great partnership with animoca uh they're you know one of the largest brand portfolio companies and ip holders um you know i've mentioned this in the past but for example they have uh, disney ip uh, which means they have Star Wars IP. So it would even be possible, potentially, um, that in the future there's a there's a Millennium Falcon flying around in the Star Atlas metaverse, right? So um, we we think that is really cool, and we're we're completely open to these collaborations and extending out the the 
kind of create creative components that get entered into uh, Star Atlas over time. Yeah, very cool. It's refreshing to hear as well, like how quickly you're executing on stuff, because I think that's something when, you know, the NFT space is, whilst it's so fundamentally amazing, there's, you know, naturally lots of projects that are flooding in and so much promising things that, you know, maybe uh, they're not showing the results of, but the fact that Star Atlas are already bringing all these people, already creating these amazing NFTs is uh, is really cool to hear. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, my, my brain sort of hurts in, in a good way because I'm trying to process all their, like, you know amazing stuff and all the levels of of this world that you're creating but it's uh, it's really really cool to hear it so um i know you're a very busy man so i won't keep you uh too much longer but but maybe you can uh direct uh, us to uh you know where to go to to learn more about the world and also to get involved as well if if uh, you know people are listening and are really excited about this world and want to get involved early where where should they head and uh, what can they do to to do that well, we had a really exciting launch this month. Um, we released an immersive um, version three of our website and uh, you will notice on the landing page, it's essentially a portal. And once again, we're trying to instill this imagination around entering into the digital realm and really blurring the lines between physical reality and the future of digital reality. So um, highly encourage everyone to go to check out our new website. We also have a cinematic teaser trailer that we just released on that on that site as well, giving you an idea of what this game or this product is going to look like you know, in the years to follow. Um, but on the site, you'll also find links to all of our, you know, social channels. So Discord is one of the most rapidly growing channels for us. Uh, a lot of gamers are joining. What I think is really cool is as early as February, when we announced, um, you know, shortly after we announced, already starting to strategize and form guilds and form clans and recruit players. And I think this is, you know, largely led to um, some of the explosive growth that we've seen as, you know, these individuals uh, become brand ambassadors because they recognize the potential of what we're building and they want to get others involved with them. So Discord's a great channel. It's it's great conversations. Um, you had mentioned the town halls, by the way. We host all of our town halls in Discord. Um, they're typically weekly or sometimes bi-weekly, but it's an open Q&A for an hour with the executive team at, at, at Star Atlas. So, um, you know, we give kind of an update of what we've been working on and what's going on and what growth has looked like. Uh, but then we also open up the floor so anybody can ask any question they'd like um, of us. And, you know, we're totally open to, to criticism, but a lot of times it's, it's uh, you know, people just trying to get a little bit of an edge on how they're going to operate inside Star Atlas. So Discord is great. Um, Telegram channel is, is exploding. Of course, you know, follow us on Twitter because we do have uh, content drops that we release a couple of times per day. So if you, you know, you want to see again, kind of what, what uh, the landscape is going to look like, all of our concept art is going out and as well as, you know, 3D models and, and um, you know, other assets are going out through Twitter. So, um, but but please check out the website, watch that cinematic teaser trailer because uh, we're, we're very proud of it and uh, a lot more content like that to come. Yeah, it is awesome. Definitely check that out. I'll uh, list all the links obviously in the show notes, but yeah, thank you so much for talking us through it. And uh, yeah, that was a real treat to have you on. So thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, look forward to coming back and chatting again as we get a little farther uh, into the execution of this. A hundred percent, yeah. We'll pick it up in a few few months for sure. So there we go. What did you think of that with Michael Wagner from Star Atlas? Uh, they are building something pretty amazing over there. I feel like we've sort of been to the future and back again, and and now it's being built in real time. It's uh, it's amazing stuff. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Republic Realm for sponsoring this episode as well. Make sure you check out republicrealm.com and follow them over at joinrepublic underscore re on Twitter to keep up to date with everything that they are doing. Thank you for your support on the episode as well, and I will see you uh, for the next one. <laughs> <laughs>